Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast contains explicit language. We have to start by building a wall. I'm not going to pay for that wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. I mean, everything is negotiable. It's not negotiable about building said, it. I actually said, no, building it, not negotiable. It's not negotiable. If they ever get up there, they're in trouble. Because there's no way to get down. Maybe a rope. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who thinks that the problem with Operation Wetback is that it wasn't tough enough. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Operation Wetback was the draconian program during the Eisenhower administration that rounded up Mexican-Americans and sent them back across the border. Trump calls it catch and release. That's not tough enough for Mr. Trump. It's 68 days until the election, and we are talking about the border. Donald Trump was in Mexico yesterday, then he was in Arizona. He met with the Mexican president, Enrique Peña Nieto, and then he gave a nighttime speech in Arizona where he talked about how tough he would be on illegal immigrants. I want to get right into it today. My guest is Suzanne Gamboa of NBC News, where she covers immigration, politics, and Latinos. I'll be back to talk to her right after we do the tweets. Heroin overdoses are taking our children and others in the Midwest coming in from our southern border. We need strong border and wall. Inner city crime is reaching record levels. African Americans will vote Trump because they know I will stop the slaughter going on. Now that African Americans are seeing what a bad job Hillary type policies and management has done to the inner cities, they want Trump. Former President Vincenzo Fox who is rallying against my visit to Mexico today, also invited me when he apologized for using the F-bomb. Hillary Clinton didn't go to Louisiana, and now she didn't go to Mexico. She doesn't have the drive or the stamina to make America great again. When will CNN do a segment on Hillary's plan to increase Syrian refugees 550%? And how much will it cost? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
My guest today is Suzanne Gamboa. She's a senior writer at NBC News covering politics and Latinos. Suzanne, thanks for joining me on Trumpcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, so it's been an eventful uh, 24 hours in your world. Trump's been on both sides of the border. Let's just talk first for a second about his surprise trip to Mexico City and his meeting with the Mexican president, Peña Nieto. Great so surprise trip in, in the sense that it was maybe a surprise to us, but we're we're starting to hear now that it maybe it wasn't such a surprise after all. Right. He's he'd been he this had been underway. He'd been planning this, I guess, for a couple of weeks. Why did why did he want to do this? Why did he want to do this is a really good question. I mean, I, the folks that I talked to saw someone in particular who's a um, Republican strategist who hasn't taken a side. Basically, he said that, you know, he thinks it was a brilliant move, sort of a genius move on the part of Trump's campaign because it basically gave him a win-win situation of going out there. He could either have been really tough, which he wasn't so much, but he could have been really tough and he could have walked away and his base would have said, hey, good for you. You uh, stood up to Mexico and Mexico president and and with all of the uh, feelings that have been out there about Mexico that would have been fine or he could have you know did I guess more of what he what he did do and 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 sort of give this impression that he was dipl- he's diplomatic and presidential and has leadership which is what I heard some people say after the after the meeting I mean he hadn't appeared on stage with another world leader I mean just to sort of do that and just see him in that official posture and yes not not going into some ranting screed you know, you were sort of, part of you was relieved that he didn't cause further embarrassment for the country by doing that. Yeah, I I guess, um, you know, there might be people out there that wish he had, you know, because then they could have sort of um, said that sort of proves up everything that they think about him. You know, he he went out there and I think he did what he needed to do for his own campaign. And I think it, it continued to raise hopes and gave attention to his speech that he gave in Arizona. You know, people were, I think, a little more even tuned into what was going to come next after that. So it was a setup for that speech. They were they were closely coordinated. They were the one was the day, the other was the night. Just talk a little bit about that speech. It's it's obviously being described all over the place as you know extremely aggressive, you know, really ugly kind of speech. What what were your feelings watching it? Well, you know, I've covered immigration for a very long time. And so I was eager to hear what he had to say. I think there's there are people, people who've lived here and they've, their children were four years old and now they're 24 years old. So I can understand people watching that with sort of this anticipation, like, I hope, I hope, I hope he has some kind of plan, something that's going to sound right, you know, that we can go with. And, you know, I walked away even as, as someone who's just listened and listened and listened to people talk about immigration, thinking that we did go back to about the Sensenbrenner years, Sensenbrenner years being when there was a, le- a legislation in Congress that was sp- sponsored by uh, James Sensenbrenner, and it had some very, very draconian, uh, what people call draconian or very harsh enforcement in it, including if you assisted an immigrant, you could face criminal penalties. So I kept hearing these things that sounded similar, and it sounded like, you know, the potential for uh, raids or, you know, even just being willing to 
restore 287G. It, Wait, what's 287G? You got to. Re- that's. Oh, I'm sorry, and I apologize. Yeah, it, it was a program that basically used local law enforcement, relied on lo- local law enforcement, federal state uh, partnerships to enforce immigration. And it's the kind of thing that you saw where you would see maybe people would compare to what is happening in Arizona with uh, Joe Arpaio, the sheriff there. Um, the, that local law enforcement can it gives sort of this door opens this door for them to stop you in a traffic stop uh, just for rolling through a, uh, a stop sign and then, you know, check out your legal, whether you are a citizen, whether you have legal status here or whatever. The Hispanics I know that met with him, I, I know there are a lot of Hispanics and a lot of people in the community that that even though they're not here, they're, they've been here for years, there are many generations here, that kind of stuff concerns them because they know that they get stopped and they get questioned about their citizenship and they get sort of lumped, um, lumped together. And that's what they're trying to avoid. And that's, that's sort of the things that even these Hispanics that belong to the GOP are reaching for. They want a sensible policy, even if it's conservative, they want it to be sensible and they want it to understand sort of these, these human impacts that some of the stuff that, that you heard in, in the speech have, you know, on them and on their community. Going into the speech, the big question was, does he have a coherent policy? Is he going to clarify it? As an immigration reporter, do you feel he has now clarified his policy? It's deport all 11 million immigrants, or is he still left ambiguity about what his policy would be? No, I think there's definitely ambiguity, and uh, he's been sort of bouncing back and forth. And I think at least some of the people that I've talked to, um, uh, I just talked to a, a pastor who is uh, part of his uh, evangelical advisory council and who said, you know, he really, he wants to stay there. He feels like he needs to be with, at the table in the Trump campaign. He's a Republican and he feels like that's part of his job as a pastor, as a pastoral leader, is to not just walk away when you disagree, but to be there and try to advise. And he's confused. <laughs> he's left confused by what was said. He's uh, another person who told me he had more questions than answers anymore. And so, you know, they feel like he told them one thing and then went another way. And, you know, one of the first people I talked to this morning told me, you know, I feel like I was a prop, just like uh, the Mexican president. The, the, the policy is ambiguous, but the speech itself was a hateful speech. And I have to ask you, I mean, you're a straight reporter. You're like a lot of reporters doing your best to be fair and be objective. But you're a Latino. How do you feel listening to that speech? And how do you deal with that as a journalist? Well, there are certain things that we, as a journalist, look, you know, from the beginning at NBC Latino, we, when he first announced his presidential bid, and he came out and said that uh, Mexicans are criminals and rapists and you know, we just, we didn't hold back. You know, we told it like it was, and we, our headline said that Trump was trashing Mexicans and Mexico as he made his bid for president. So we were pretty straightforward about that. That was in our first paragraph. That was in our title. You know, we, we just saw it for what it was. You know, I know that immigration is very complicated. That speech was on the spectrum over very to the far right and to maybe beyond some of the very tough immigration speeches, you know, we've heard over time, probably, you know, along the lines of what you hear from uh, Steve King a lot of the time. But but don't you have to go farther and say that demonizing a group of people in this way is un-American? Well, I will tell you this. I think when Donald Trump spoke about Judge Gonzalo Curiel, and he said that he first called him Mexican, 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people report on that and say, you know, he questioned his heritage. Well, he didn't do just that. He de-Americanized him. He basically made him an other and an outsider. And this is something that Mexican-Americans have dealt with for years and for, for decades. I mean, this is something, um, you know, even my own parents, you know, when they, um, who are both, were both born in this country, you know, and, and had uh, parents born in this country, but had often felt like they were not considered Americans. And, you know, my father served in the military and, you know, had to still had to deal with uh, people thinking, you know, he didn't belong here. So, and I think that there's still, a, so when you had that happen, I think it hit a note with a lot of people who who understand what that means. You know, they understand when you say, oh, he's Mexican, how he just sort of stripped him of any sort of belonging in this country. They're Mexican-Americans in the the Southwest whose ancestors have been in this country longer than Trump's ancestors have been. And he doesn't even even seem to perceive a difference between them and people who, who came across the border yesterday. You know, I, I'm not going to give that him a sweeping description like that. I mean, he there may he may see the difference, but in in his speeches and probably when he meets some people, maybe if they're in, in they are in a certain line of work or in a certain certain e- economic strata, or maybe when they speak a, a different language, that con- makes that confusion. Um, although I guess if you look at Curiel, you know, Curiel is 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 a um, accomplished person. And he did, if we go by his speech, you know, by what he said, he did first and initially call him Mexican and not Mexican-American and not an American. Suzanne Gamboa is a reporter for NBC Latino. Suzanne, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. John Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. I had an absolutely fantastic meeting with the president of Mexico. We talked about many, many things. I think he's a wonderful guy. I think we can really work together. He could be my amigo. We had a wonderful Trump Tower Taco Bowl that I had flown in, the best taco bowls in the world, and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. I think that alone shows he's willing to pay for the wall. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.